Hey everyone, welcome to the More to Movement podcast, the show about why your movement matters and how to get optimal results through science-backed practical solutions. Today is part four of my Mobilize and Move series, and I am jumping into the third phase of the pump process to enhance our mobility. And if you recall, PUMP is an acronym, P-U-M-M-P, that represents five distinct phases that will significantly enhance your mobility. We've covered the first couple. We are getting ready to jump into the first M of the PUMP process. Stick around. Back right after this. Welcome to the More to Movement podcast, where we break down the science behind movement and provide you with tangible takeaways so you can take charge of your health and fitness and achieve lasting results. If you're ready to optimize your efforts, move with purpose, and invest in your health and performance with confidence and vigor, you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Pete Rowletter. What's up, movers? Thanks for tuning in today, and I'm glad you're here to join me for part four of the Mobilize and Move series. And I've stated this before, but just to remind you that these next few episodes are all dedicated to going through the phases of the pump process so that we have a really good grasp on this content so that you can apply this process in the most appropriate way for you to fit your needs and help you get the results you're after. So to quickly recap, the first P stands for proper position. U stands for undo hypertonic and shortened tissue. And there we chatted about uh, different techniques to address restricted tissue and improve range of motion. Those were the last two episodes. So today we're jumping into the first M of the pump process. And to optimize our mobility, we can't only focus on, on our tissue. We have to focus on a little bit more than that. We have to consider the role our joints play in poor movement. So the first M of the pump process stands for mitigate joint capsule restriction. Many people forget that the joint capsule is more than just bone. The joint itself is surrounded by ligamentous tissue as well as muscular and fascial tissue. And just like the tissues we discussed in the last episode, the ligamentous, the muscular, and the fascial tissues that surround the joint can be tight and rigid, and they can actually restrict movement as well. A lot of times, it goes back to what's been a significant focus of my episodes, poor position. Remember, tissue will adapt to position. So if you're putting your joints into sustained poor positions, the tissues that surround the joint will adapt to that position. We always think of the skeletal system like a picture-perfect model that we see in books. But the truth is that most of us would actually be pretty surprised at what our bone positions actually look like. For example, think of a house framer, somebody who frames for a living. Typically, they are moving and nailing lumber all day, and their arms are up overhead and in front of them. That is a position that's required for their job, and their tissues will adapt to that position. So, for those types of individuals, most likely, the anterior deltoid, the pecs, the upper traps, all those muscles will be hypertonic and shortened. We chatted last time about how to address the tissue, but what do you think is going on at the shoulder joint. Since that tissue is shortened, it will also shift the humerus, which is the upper arm bone, forward. And since it's moved forward, it will, the head of the humerus will probably be sitting at the anterior aspect of the glenoid fossa. And what that means is that the bone will not be in the center of the joint where it should be, but most likely it will be towards the front. And since that is a chronic position, the tissue that surrounds the joint capsule will adapt to that as well, 
making the joint tight. This is just one of dozens examples, but hopefully you get the message. And that message is that our joints need to be addressed as well. One of the best things you can do to address joint restriction is to create space at the joint. And how do we do that? One of my absolute favorite techniques. We can use a banded distraction technique. I love this technique. It is by far my favorite go-to technique to address joint restriction because it's so dynamic and it's significantly effective. When we use a banded technique, typically we're going to focus on the ankles, the hips, the shoulders, and the wrists. Now, these techniques have been performed in physical therapy clinics forever, but typically they're done via manual techniques by the physical therapist. These techniques that I'm talking about, these banded techniques, are just a version of that. Now, keep in mind, this is not going to take the place of a skilled therapist and those manual distraction techniques. Okay, so those are super invaluable. And if you're having some, some significant issues, some bigger issues, please seek them out from a qualified licensed professional. What I'm covering and what I'm going to go over are some great banded distraction strategies that can help you address some restricted tissue or some restricted joint capsules that are due to poor position. Not necessarily chronic existing injury, but poor position or tissue imbalance. So with these banded distraction techniques, in essence, what we're doing is using tension of a heavy band to pull the joint surfaces apart. This is, this is a form of traction in a way. Another way to think of it is using the band to actually wedge space between the bones of the joint. Now, before you start protesting and say that you'll dislocate a joint, I want you to keep a couple things in mind. So first, the joint capsule is extremely tough and can withstand a lot before an injury occurs. So you should be fine unless you have a current injury. Secondly, you're only applying enough tension to create an adaptation, much like stretching. Do you, do you stretch until you feel something snap? Well, of course not. You move through the stretch to challenge range of motion. The same thing applies here. You're accomplishing a couple things when you distract a joint. A big one is that you allow space for joint synovial fluid to move back into the joint. Think of it like this, WD-40. It's a lubricant, right? And kind of a solve-all for a lot of things. But most people will use it on squeaky or tight things, like a door hinge. If you need to get to the pin on the door hinge, what do you do? Usually, you pull on the door a bit as you open and close it to allow space for that WD-40 compound to work in and do its thing. The same goes for joint distraction. Using a band to open up the joint allows the WD-40, or in this case, the synovial fluid, to move in and do its job. Another thing is that it helps reposition your joint. In other words, it can help realign the joint so that you have improved joint mechanics as you address restricted tissue. This technique can be static, where you use the band to distract a joint and you hang out there in that position to just kind of let it do its job. I typically do this type of technique when I'm working on correcting and recovering. I'll put myself in a banded position and hang out there for one to two minutes, focusing on relaxing and breathing so the tissue can respond to that distraction. That by itself is great. That banded distraction will work wonders at creating space in the joint. But you can take it a step further and you can follow it up with a stretch or you can integrate a movement modality into that banded distraction which will focus on lengthening that shortened tissue. This technique is actually called banded flossing. And when we talk about banded movements, 
we're trying to address the tissue and the joint mechanics. So we're kind of putting two things together there. Let me give you an example. I can wrap a band around my right thigh, right at the base of my glute, and walk forward. So the band is pulling my leg backwards. Then I can reach down toward the ground, challenging my end range of motion in my hamstrings and glutes while the band pulls my limb backwards. The band adds another element of addressing stiff tissue because my joint and tissues have to deal with forces that are not typical, enhancing that response. Banded flossing is my go-to for pre-training mobility because it's a catch-all. I like to integrate a banded distraction with a movement, so I am addressing the joint, and then I'm also addressing the restricted tissue, and then I'm moving that tissue through an active range of motion. So if you're going to use these techniques, the distraction and of course the banded flossing, you're going to want to use a heavy band. A heavy band can be found anywhere a lot of great places. They're typically called monster bands or pull-up bands, but if you Google it, you'll see what I'm talking about and they're everywhere. What you're going to want to do is anchor the band on something firm and wrap the band around the limb that you want to address. Apply enough tension in the band to pull on your limb and then move to end range of motion. So let's start implementing this. Number one, choose the size of your band. There are many different thicknesses of bands, and the thicker the band, the more tension it'll produce. If you're new to this, start with a light, thinner band. Further, consider the area you're distracting. The hips have mounds of tissue and may need a thicker band to really get things moving. As I said, choose something sturdy to anchor the band on. Those things hurt if they snap you, I promise. I've dealt with that several times. Number two, identify where to place the band. Typically, there are two primary places for the band. The first is just above or below the joint. This has a significant effect on the joint because the band's force is pulling right at the joint articulation and will really separate the joint surfaces. The second would be to wrap the band at the end of a limb, so like the ankle or the wrist, and then pull the entire limb, focusing on the major joint. This forces all the joints along the limb, along with the tissue, to respond to the distraction. So if I wrapped the band around my hand and allowed it to pull my arm out, I would still be distracting the shoulder, but all the tissue and the elbow and the wrist would all be affected by this technique. This can encourage tissue and joint response along the entire chain. So this is a beneficial technique as well. Number three, choose the direction the band distracts. Now this depends on what your overall goal is. If you're really confident in your joint's positions, you can be very specific with the direction of the distraction. This applies more to you professionals out there as you should be able to evaluate movement and identify pattern discrepancies. For example, if you sit all day, there's a high likelihood that the femur has shifted to the posterior or the back part of the acetabulum, which is the socket the head of the femur sits in. Knowing that will limit hip extension. So you'd want to distract the femur forward as you address tissue so that you're helping the joint return to that optimal position. But what if you're new to this or you're a little rusty on all the movement mechanics? What I would recommend is focusing on addressing the tissue. Start there, just focus on the tissue. Typically, you'll distract in one of these directions, anteriorly, posteriorly, or laterally. An anterior distraction pulls the bone forward, and a posterior distraction will pull the bone backward, and a lateral distraction will pull the bone out away from the joint. 
From there, you can modify the angles of pull to produce different force vectors at different angles. Remember, the goal is to provide space between the joint surfaces, to realign the joint position, and improve tissue response. So try all the directions and notice what speaks to you. So for example, is one more restricted compared to the others? Which one enhances your end range of motion the most? Which one do you think challenges your tissue restriction the best? Now, what if you aren't feeling much? Well then, congrats. You may have good position and an adequate range of motion, so again, your body will tell you if that technique is effective or not. If you're not feeling much, if you're not noticing much, you might be fine. Number four, distract in positions you want to achieve. Try to move your body into the movement patterns that you want to achieve. So I could just lie down and let the band laterally distract my hip, which I sometimes do when I'm focusing on just opening up the hip joint. But if I'm preparing to train, I want to mimic the positions that I'm going to be in, specifically under load. So I can still laterally distract the hip, but I will work myself into a bodyweight squat and address the joint and the tissue in that position. Try that. Try to achieve the position that you're going to train in and see how your tissue responds. Number five, add movement. Once you're in a position that challenges the joint and the tissue, simply add movement. This is a great time to get more bang for your buck and address the restricted tissue. Try working different angles by rotating your body or the limb to see what kind of feedback your body is providing. Oscillate the limb or slightly rock at end range of motion to lengthen the tissue. Throw in a contract relax technique, something like that. Any of those will significantly improve your mobility in joint capsule. So give it a shot. Mix and match. Try and see what works for you. So let me go over one of the sequences I use. I do a lot of distraction and banded flossing on my ankles. Many people, including myself, have poor dorsiflexion patterns, and that's due to hypertonic plantar flexors. I use a medium band because A, the joint is smaller and I do not need a huge band to accomplish anything there. And then B, the thickness of the band can interfere with the movement itself. So I use a thinner band so I can focus on my movement with that distraction. For my ankle, I like to place the band right above the ankle. So we'll address the articulation between the talus, the tibia, and the fibula, which are the bones that make up the ankle. So there's a lot of things you can do, but I like the distraction to pull posteriorly as it challenges my tibia's ability to glide over my talus as it should if I had adequate dorsiflexion. So I'll start with a passive position with my foot up on a wedge, so like a calf stretch, while I am posteriorly distracting the ankle. And I'll just hang out there for a minute, uh, maybe a couple minutes more, if that's the only thing that I'm, I'm doing in the sequence. If I'm preparing to train, I'll then move into positions that I'm going to train in, such as a lunge position. From there, I can work angles and find restrictions. It's one of my favorite things to do. So if you can imagine, I keep my foot wedged at the toes and then my back knee is on the ground and I'll lean into that stretch while my ankle is being distracted. I like to oscillate and push the tissue and I also like to change angles by changing my foot position to see if I can catch any of those restricted areas. So I may turn my foot out, may turn my foot in a little bit. I'll do anything I can to see if I catch any tissue restriction. And then I'll do, usually do that for another couple minutes or so. So if you have tight ankles, give this a try and let me know how it goes. 
again, like I said earlier, you kind of mix and match. You try different techniques, see what works for you, but see if you can get that joint capsule restriction or that tissue restriction to start responding and adapting. So here's an easy takeaway for you to get started on this. Pick a joint that you think is restricted, that you feel is restricted, and spend a minute distracting in each primary direction that we talked about. So anteriorly, posteriorly, and then laterally. Take note of what positions seem to feel the best and which ones enhance your mobility the most because you'll see some acute improvements right away. So write down what you think worked the best. Most people have really tight hips, so most of you probably should start there. Distract laterally and then pull it to the front and then pull it to the back. Again, always got to remember, practice having a braced, stable spine and let the band do its work. After a minute in each direction, stop and move that leg and compare it to the other leg. Note how it feels. For many of you, you'll become a believer, right? So actually experiencing it is what will convert you, right? So sometimes doing is believing, right? I promise you, give it a shot and you'll notice, notice something right away. Once you find the one that feels the best, add some movement to it to see if it really improves your tissue function. I think the easiest thing to add is a contract relax. Really simple. So distract, move into a position where you feel the tissue stretch, and then contract that tissue. Hold it for five seconds, then relax and move further into the stretch. After a few rounds of that, stop and move again and compare how you feel to the other leg. And again, I think you're going to be blown away. I think you're going to really experience some significant changes. We are making some progress, y'all. This is awesome. You have the first phase, P, which is proper position. You have U, which is undue hypertonic and shortened tissue. And now you have the first M, which is mitigate joint capsule restriction. These three alone, just by themselves, these three alone will improve your mobility and function. But why stop there? Let's attack our movement restrictions from all angles. So next time, I'm going to chat about the fourth phase of the pump process. If you like this content, please let me know by subscribing to the podcast. It's an easy way to tell me that you're digging this stuff. Help me out a lot. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for spending some time with me and tuning into the show. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate you. And I look forward to chatting with you all soon. Take care, y'all. And remember, wherever you are, keep moving. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of More to Movement with your host, Pete Rowletter. If you enjoyed the show, please visit moretomovement.com where you can find this episode's show notes along with more episodes and articles to empower you on your journey.